The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joel Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 7200. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Is there one thing you can do, one topic you can address, one action you can take that would make all the difference in your business? Is there a single driver of success that is more important than all the rest? To answer that question, David Horsager. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Joel. Great to be here. Hey, listen, man. Very nice to have you. So you're you're in Minneapolis, right? I am in that area. We're outside in a beautiful area called Stillwater, Minnesota, 35 minutes from the airport. My offices are in Matamidi. If you can spell that, you can live there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try, and I don't want to live there. So <laughs> here's, here's the question I had, though. Uh, you have these terrible winters that are terrifying to those of us who are from mild climates. Do you at least get a good summer? Hey, we have a gorgeous summer and really we get a beautiful fall and a beautiful spring. The spring can drag on a little bit with the winter, but, um, you know, traveling as much as, as I do, we get some sun time for sure in the winter to break it up a little bit and the way to make it through, you know, we live on a lake, there's a lot of lakes, but the summer is absolutely gorgeous. The fall is absolutely gorgeous. Spring is often gorgeous and the winter you just have to find an outdoor activity you like. You know, we everybody skates, even if you don't play professional hockey. We got the hockey pond all shoveled off all year, and the kids were playing outdoor hockey. We cross country ski. Um, we, you know, you got to find a way to get outside for that uh, December to f- March. Yeah, I'll tell you, thing it's uh, it's a weird thing because just from from my perspective, from where I live, it's it's sure different. But hey, listen, so let's dive in this. Let's let's not waste any time. Uh, so what is the single biggest issue that companies have? I mean, we talk about a lot of stuff. We talk about the inside track on this and that and every different perspective. But you have a different angle on this whole thing. And you really look at the problems. A lot of people say the problem, leadership, communication. What do you think the problem is that if you could fix this one thing, true success would, would, would be everywhere? 
You know, this goes back to my graduate research and the research that we do every year. We put out one of the biggest, maybe the biggest global study, biggest study out of North America, at least on this topic. And let me say what it's not first. I believe at the core, it is never a leadership issue. We don't follow a leader. We don't trust. It's never a sales issue unless it's a commodity. We don't buy from a salesperson. We don't trust. One of the biggest studies out of Harvard on diversity would show diversity on its own is bad only with trust do you get the benefit. Diversity on its own pits people against each other, but with trust, you get the great benefits of diversity, which is innovation, loyalty, creativity, and a host of other innovative things um, and other things. So the single uniqueness of the greatest leaders and organizations, the most successful ones is trust. Trust really, you've got to think bigger and differently about this old word trust because trust actually drives success. It drives the money. It drives the impact. At the core, it is always a trust issue. You don't, you know, you don't get engagement with engagement. The only way it increases engagement is trust. You don't get referrals. The NPS, your net promoter score. The problem there is it's never a referral issue at the core. The only way, and our research would show this, uh, the only way to get more referrals is to increase trust. We got an issue driving agile. The only we had a president uh, tell us they took one. It couldn't get agile to work in their company. They took one year on trust. They were able to drive agile. You 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 you've got to look at trust differently because it is the key driver to success. And the the, the a lack of it is their biggest expense. And I can prove it. You know. Um... I would say most people, I mean, would just say, well, of course it's trust, but we just take that for granted and then let's go on to the next step. So you, you don't want to take it for granted. You want to get focused on it. I think if, you know, I think the vol- most, the biggest vulnerability for companies, for boards of directors is, you know, a lack of trust and not focusing on it. We, what we're best at is driving a high performing co- performing culture on trust. And that's where it starts. And that's where it ends. The problem of course is Trust is the root cause. Many people want to deal with the image work. They just want to look it and not be it. And it takes work to actually be most trusted in your industry. But it's the only way to real lasting success. You, you know, if you think trust doesn't affect the bottom line, ask Volkswagen. I mean, billions. Ask, ask Wells Fargo. Ask Tiger Woods. He, oh, he's back playing golf again. Ten years ago, one breach of trust, or 27 breaches, he lost $110 million in endorsements in two weeks. A lack of trust costs you. You don't trust someone, you put a lock on something. What's the, what's the cost of that? Lack of trust. Well, now I got to pay for the lock. That's money. And now I got to open it. That's time. It's always the biggest cost in many of the organizations I worked with work with is skepticism and suspicion, which is the opposite of trust. And it's a massive cost, you know, attrition, retention, all these things are actually a trust issue, not a, a definition. When they can see it as a trust issue, they can actually solve it for what it really is instead of just saying big words like engagement or communication or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think I said to this to you one time, and I don't, uh, it's at the core, you never have a communication issue. It's never a communication issue. Communication is happening all the time. It's the type of communication. So we have eight traits that came out of the research that make an organization, a brand, a leader, most trusted. So these traits are what actually drive trust, which leads to success. So as an example, communication. High character communication is trusted. Low character isn't. Clear, clarity is one of the pillars. Clear communication is trusted. Unclear or ambiguous communication is not trusted. Compassionate communication is trusted. Well, look, look, you're going fast here. So, okay. the, the, so for example, the ambiguous thing is the reason that people, I'm just guessing, 
uh, would find ambiguous communication because if you're talking out of two sides of your mouth, it appears that you're not being straight. Is that kind of what it is or is it something that's, else? That's one thing it is. That could be a character issue too, but it could be just plain unclear. Most salespeople are not clear about the benefits of the product to me, and that's why they lose the sale. A, 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 an organization or a leader that isn't clear about the vision, they lose motivation. So I'm just saying these eight pillars, and I haven't shared them yet, but these eight traits of the most trusted, that's how you actually solve something, not just saying communication, because people will say communication, and they don't know what they mean because communication is happening all the time. It's the type of communication that makes someone successful or not, the type of engagement, the type of leadership. You know, I guess, I guess, um, you know, what I'm, I'm kind of wondering and what I want to understand better is how does this tie into trust? How does clear communication uh, directly connect to trust? Because I mean, direct, you know, I think it's a really good idea to be clear. I mean, one of the big problems I see all the time is lack of clarity. Yeah. If you're not clear yourself, you know, how can you get other people clear? I fully agree with you, but I don't connect it necessarily to trust. And I want to understand why you do. Okay. So basically my graduate work, and now we've confirmed this every year, but you know, for the last well over a decade, but I was originally just looking at what is unique to the top leaders in organizations. And incidentally, it kept coming back to trust, not leadership, not these other things. So then I, I basically was proving out how a lack of trust is the biggest cost of an organization. I believe that today more than ever. And it doesn't matter if you're a global government, like we're working with, you know, corruption and police reform issues in Kenya or pro sports teams or uh, companies like Toyota and FedEx that we work with. It doesn't matter. So that was the orig- first half of the research. But if trust is, in fact, the key driver of success, like we believe we proved out, then how do you build it? Is it just character? Is it just integrity? Is it just this? It turned out in that second half of my grad work, eight traits kept coming oh, out. So okay. eight, eight I call them in the in the trust edge, I call them the eight pillars of trust. And and now we use this eight pillar framework to solve some of the biggest trust, success, and growth issues in the world. And so these eight pillars make someone trusted. Uh, so And they were relatively co-equal. So um, somewhat might be weighted more or less different times. But so I was saying one of those pillars is clarity. People trust the clear, not the ambiguous or the overly complex. Many companies lose because they're overly complex. And whenever you overcomplexify something beyond what is needed, you lose trust. One of the pillars is compassion. We trust those. If you don't care about me, I don't tend to trust you in certain ways. Uh, we don't, you know, character is one of the pillars, but it's not everything because you might have high character and I might trust you to take my kids to the ball game. That does not mean I will trust you to give me a root canal because of competency. So all eight of these matter. And that's why when we can get an organization to see all eight and close the gaps on all eight, they start to gain this thing we've come to call the trust edge. And that's just a high performing, high trust culture. So, 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 so this, takes, this takes a long time for a company to, to, to accumulate. I mean, trust disappears in a second, but it builds over time. Okay, well, it can. It can, but that's an, there are misnomers about trust. So this idea that trust takes a long time to build. It can take a long time and lost in a moment, but actually a whole lot of trust is built in a moment also. Think of a crisis like 9-11. Complete, complete strangers trust each other in a moment if they're running the same direction. So it's actually a, 
most trust is built and lost in moments, not in the length of time people think. So then they don't work on it because they think, oh, that's just going to take forever. You know, it's, it, 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 I mean, there's a lot of things about trust. So, so it's more complex. Mm-hmm. We might think confidence is trusted. But of course, when that leads to arrogance, that's not trusted. We might think if I extend more trust to my team, I'll get more out of them. Until I extend too much, that can be a problem. Or we might think this would be a funny one, but it's true. The business word of the decade is transparency. Just be more transparent, just whatever. And I got kids, you know, there's kids on Facebook. They're so transparent. I don't trust them for a second because confidentiality is also trusted. So you have this this more complex topic than people at first think. And, and these eight are what build trust. And I believe this is these eight pillars are what you can solve every organizational leadership issue against. You know what, you know, what's very fascinating about every one of those is that there's a certain continuum of each one. So transparency to uh, your confidentiality, that's a continuum. And you have to kind of find the right balance to uh, for people to both like you, trust you, feel comfortable with you, the whole thing. I mean, so it's not it's not absolutely do this certain thing. There's no formula. Uh, there's a certain I don't know human understanding that uh, you know. So AI and computers aren't going to get this for a while. That's true, and 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 I think <laughs> some things are absolute, and some things are not, and and so you can. Um, you know, there's a whole lot we could be saying about which that. One, which of these are absolute and which ones have a continuum? Well, I think the more clear you are always is better, especially at the things that I need you to be clear about. So in last year's study, um, the number one thing that buyers wanted from salespeople broadly was clarity about the benefits to a product. But a, a leader might want clarity about the, you uh, be clear about the vision we might want, or there's different parts of clarity. But I don't know if ambiguity ever wins. So that's likely an absolute. Um, Now, maybe it is because, you know, when you think of quarterly reports or you think of a CEO report, they can't share everything. So that's why you remember Jack Welsh said, the reason I do well is because I'm Irish and I'm a storyteller because he could, you can't share everything at quarterly earnings. So you have to tell a story about it sometimes, but even that had a sense of, of clarity and connection and all these things. So, um, Anyway, I, we get off a little bit on this. I actually believe there might be absolutes for each thing also. So, um, you know, I used to be an ethics professor and even in character, you could say there's not always absolutes or honesty. So it's honesty is always right. Unless the KGB, uh, is knocking at your door and you're hiding Jews. Um, it might be right to lie to them and say, you're not hiding Jews because the more higher ethical answer might be, in fact, lying to them, depending on your perspective, right? Save a life. Right. Yeah. So, so we do have to have real people, and real people build trust. But these eight, this eight-pillar framework, in, its, in the way I define it, you can solve every organizational leadership issue against them. Uh, and I say that without ego, but a whole lot of research and, and using this on six continents. And so when people see these eight, they can start to solve their, their challenges because it's a function of or a mix of these eight. So this is really, this is a pretty fascinating thing. I mean, is this something that applies to people at the most senior level of an organization? Is it, is it something that applies to the, 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 the medium staff, the lower staff, the, the beginners? I mean, I mean, does it apply to everyone or, or where, where does the work that you do mostly work? 
So it applies absolutely to everyone, and that's the, that's how we drive a culture of an organization. We work with some of the biggest organizations in the world, and we want everybody to to change their language around this. Now, how you apply it in your role might be different. So like, I've, I've given this example several times now today, but but let's take a simple one like clarity. As a salesperson, my number one focus of clarity might be being clear about the benefits. As a leader, it might be clear being clear about the vision. As a manager, it might be being clear about expectations. So those are all clarity issues, but in my role, I might affect clarity, you know, in, in specific ways, how we work usually, I mean, commonly I'm, I keynote at about a hundred events a year around the world, but I'm often starting at the top. So we start by doing an executive day with senior leaders and then they roll out, uh, the culture work from there. We start either it starts at the very top or it starts at a divisional leadership role. We do a full day with them, and then they, we have a process for how do they drive trust throughout the culture, throughout the whole hundreds, thousands of people, and and even certify their people to keep it going. You know, I mean, I mean, clearly, you know, you're uh, you're on a mission to change the way that corporate America works. I mean, I mean, I hear it in your voice. I see, you know, I can see you dancing around and just being excited about it. And I, and I know you personally, I, I know, I know how enthusiastic you are about this. I mean, do you think that your, your personal mission and vision would come true better if some of this material was taught at the uh, high school and university level before people ever got to, to, to into a job? Undeniably. And we, you know, there's big universities that are using this. I know that, um, you know, we're, we've rolled out at several universities where uh, even professors are using it. And, uh, but I, you know, I wish because I believe in it passionately and in my heart and from what I've seen, I wish every high school and every college uh, would use it and have a, you know, a trust edge leadership program or a, a life, a trust edge life program, really. Um, so I wish. I mean, listen, it, it can't hurt our culture as, as, as America and so and beyond to uh, have people be more clear, be more transparent, be more confidential, whatever they need to be. Uh, there's certain interpersonal characteristics, uh, which all of these things are. And and I don't think anybody can really disagree. People may disagree with the research. They may disagree with the uh, the detail or whatever. But I think I think as an umbrella, I mean, who could disagree that we wouldn't get along better? I mean, what about open mindedness in our this this, uh, this toxic political climate that we have? Would it help? Well, funny enough, I'm going to be uh, speaking uh, this week you know, or next week. Let me see. I go, I go Phoenix on Monday, and then I've got Atlanta on, uh, later in the week, and then I've got Chicago. I will tell you, one of those groups is senators and representatives. So that's, uh, as you can imagine, there's some trust challenges they're having that uh, we get the chance to influence. But- so, so listen, so th- <laughs> this is something I want the inside track on. Do these senators and representatives really want to be more trustable or do they just want to paint a little stuff on that makes them look better? You absolutely have both, to be fair. So I know, and I've worked with many that just want to look trusted and not really be it. I also will say, to be fair to some of my um, uh, 
some parts of Congress that get the bad end of the stick, that there are some that got in there to really do great work. And they really went in there with the hope to change the world for good. And they got in there and there's a big challenge in the system. We're in many ways systemized against building trust. I mean, for several reasons, years ago, from your home state, the Democrat and the Republican would ride the train for hours, days together to get out to Washington. They knew each other. They'd have drinks together and meals together while they were on the train. And so because of the relationship that wasn't so rabid on the floor, now they never see each other hardly. They go home separately. They don't have a share a drink together ever. And so it's easier to be just ruthless on the floor because they don't know the person. So there's much less room for a relationship today. The other problem today is from the opening day that a freshman senator gets in, they have to start raising money again or they won't be in the next term. Um, you know, some other big challenges with both term limits issues, I think, and with even, you know, I was a part of a session with both Democrats and Republican senators and representatives that I believe are trying to do the, the right thing. And they said they tried to work across the aisle and their, you know, leader stripped them of their committee assignments because they tried to work across the aisle. So you have this disciplining of people that actually want to do what's best for the country uh, just because of the deeply politicized system we're in. And that's tragic. Uh, maybe for the sake of your your listeners, I'll jump to one other thing here because I think I, I've touched on it enough. I think it's worth giving the full framework. So first half of my research was how a lack of trust is the biggest expense. Second half was these eight traits that, that, that build trust. So should I just maybe just quickly share those eight so people at least know yeah, what they are? Yeah, we've, we've talked yeah. about a handful of them. So go ahead yeah. and give us the rest. So what the, I'm going to say what they are. There's, you know, we teach a half day on each of these. So there's so much more to it than you might think simply right off. But one is clarity. People trust the clear. They mistrust or distrust the ambiguous. Two is compassion. We trust those that care beyond themselves. Three is character. We trust those that do what's right or what's easy. Under each of these pillars, by the way, we have a framework for how do you drive this into an organization. Number four is competency. We trust those that stay fresh and relevant and capable. Number five is commitment. We trust those that stay committed in the face of adversity. I mean, if you think of anybody that's left a legacy in your life or in history, uh, your first grade teacher, Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Jesus, or Joan of Arc, they were they were, you know, trusted because they stayed committed to something, often to death. Number six is connection, connection and really collaboration, this ability to connect and collaborate beyond yourself. And we trust people that are willing to connect and willing to collaborate. And I have plenty of examples about that. Number seven is contribution. The number one word that came under the, this uh, research funnel actually was results. So we trust people to get results and not, you know, you can have, you can see how you could have some of these and not others and lose everything. So I got a surgeon that I go in for amputation. He cuts off the wrong leg. We got a problem no matter how compassionate or high character is because he didn't get the right result. So you have to, you know, contribute results. So you have to have all eight, right? I know other companies that contribute a lot of results, don't have character, compassion, and they lose everything. You got to think about all eight of these. The final pillar is consistency. And that's what we're, this is the king of the pillars because whatever you do consistently, I trust you for. This is, you're late all the time. I will trust you to be late. 
you, I often say you don't wear enough clothes. I trust your Kardashian, right? So whatever you do <laughs> consistently is what you're, what you're trusted for. So those are the eight. You can frame communication, engagement, leadership, all these issues above these. But when you solve against these, you actually solve the issue. Because when you start being more clear, you get the kind of communication you wanted. When you start to show more compassion, people feel the care you intend, you know, then commitment goes up and they all work together, but that's a quick glimpse. Do these things also make people more likable? I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean is that part of it too? Tr- trusting, liking the whole thing? Yeah. So let me say one thing about that. They do in the way I talk about them, but I'm very clear. You know, I often ask an audience, is it higher to be trusted or liked? And people, oh, they're li- being like, no trusted is way higher. And in the way I talk about trust, you'll almost always be more liked. But people say they buy from people we liked, and that's not true at all. They, 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 they buy from people they trust. I mean, I can think of a friend. I love watching the game with him. I like him. I like him a lot. I wouldn't go into business with him in a million years. Yeah, I don't trust him. So the way we think about it, but the way we talk about trust, you will almost always be liked and more liked, but it's not just liked. It's higher to be trusted than liked. It's so, you know, as I sit and think about this, you know, there are a lot of people that I like when go in business with them. There are people that I uh, trust, but there's something else. What about respect is trust? How much is trust and respect kind of connected? Because I, I think, that being respected, respected is a really important value. I mean, I, to me, that, that matters a lot. So it's very important, but this is how I would talk about that. You don't respect the person you don't trust. If you trust the person you respect them, this is, let's say your kids, they might come home saying, I don't like my teacher this year. Actually they don't respect their teacher because they don't trust their teacher. So Trust drives respect. I mean, I know I have what you might think a biased opinion on this, but trust drives everything. You, I mean, you, you, you want to amplify your marketing? The only way to do it is get more trust. If, if people trust your marketing more, it's more effective. You want to expand your leadership? It's a trust issue. You want to increase sales? It's trust issue. You want to speed up the time to sale? The only way is trust. You get more trust, even whether you use technology or not, the only way to speed up the sale is increase trust at some point. That's what it speeds up time. You want to leverage diversity? It's a trust issue. It's always a trust issue to leverage the, the outcome you want. Yeah, but it's really interesting to sit here and think about this and really kind of dig into this a little bit because part of it's there's a little bit of nuance, there's a little bit of semantics, but I, I think the umbrella, I, I'm, I'm seeing it the way you see it. I, I think the umbrella is trust, that the shortest distance between two points is trust. It, it's um, respect, respect is very important, but it's not the same as trust. Like is very important, but it's not the same as trust. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of seeing that. Yeah. And, and, and of course I want to be liked. Of course I want to be, I want to be respected, but the only way to get there when you're trusted to do the little things consistently, people start to respect you when you're trusted to do, you know, certain things. When I, when I trust you, I absolutely respect follows when, when companies have high trust, they have high engagement. When, when salespeople have high trust, they get a higher net promoter score or get more referrals. But when they can think about it as a trust issue and see how these eight pillars fit into it, they can actually drive that metric. NPS, uh, you know, uh, uh, engagement, attrition, retention, sales, whatever. 
what is this net promoter score? Is that something that's yours or what? No, you know, we, we would, I would call, I'm working on something called a, tr- a trust promoter score because I, I think it actually will affect it more, but net promoter score has become big time in vogue the last 10 years, especially in big companies and net promoter score. Basically there's, it's a one question survey that people use to ask their clients this one question, which is, would you refer us to others? Would you refer after working with us, after buying from us, after us serving you, would you refer us to others? And they get a net promoter score of uh, would they from clients and customers if they would be referred to others because that that's really important because it says a lot about you if you if they would actually refer you to others, right? But of course, my argument is you don't get referrals with referrals. You get referrals with more trust. So how do we build trust that affects referrals? So in my opinion, some questions that actually would have grit that would affect that would be, did when you, uh, when they worked with you, did you feel cared about? Uh, were they clear with you? Did, were they, did they seem knowledgeable that would come under competency? Then you can actually deal with this. Okay. I got to take my sales team and I got to increase knowledge. I can increase because these questions will absolutely affect the referral. We just, we put some questions around that, um, referrals uh, in our last year's uh, annual study and it proved itself out. Absolutely. The only way to increase referrals is increased trust. You know, as I sit and think about this, you know, from the company perspective, it's important to dissect this into many different little quadrants and boxes and break it into pieces. And you got this to eight different pillars, but from the customer's point of view, they're just sitting thinking, this guy get the job done for me. Uh, was I happy with it? They're thinking about the package. They're not thinking about the components that are in the package. And what's interesting is that, uh, the package took a lot of engineering to put together, which is what you're talking about, the trust, all the different pillars and the stuff. But the customer just gets it and says, what's my experience, good or bad? Yeah, but exactly. But they aren't maybe thinking about it, but it's happening when they, they filter through clarity or ambiguity. They filter through, did that package look like they cared about me or not? Did they, they filter through, is this consistent? They go to that bank and the, the teller's this way and the loan officer's that way and the website's awesome and the, the paper material is terrible. They are filtering through without even thinking about it. There's inconsistency. Or they go to this bank and the, the website interface and the mobile app and the teller that's all reflecting but the same thing, they filter that through and they trust that bank over that bank. And they don't, the banks might not know why, but it's always filtering through the eight pillars of trust. And, and so that's how, you know, if the bank can look at these, oh, are we reflecting these eight in all of this? Then, you know, we're going to, it's going to end up in more customers, more sales, more whatever. What's so interesting about this though, is that the, the, the sender of the information, which is the company has to engineer all these pillars to work together so that the receiver of the experience uh, can just ha- can just say, God, you know, I, I had a really good experience. I don't totally know why. Um, they don't they don't break it into. They don't spend a lot of energy like yeah. you are thinking about every detail. But they're going, you know what? I just sort of like this company. I just had a really good experience with them. But a lot goes into making that happen. And at the at the forefront of that, I get that trust is is the thing. I mean, I, I get that 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 umbrella works. You know, I I absolutely agree with that. And whether they this is just a way to frame it so you can solve your core issues against it. And these were the key drivers that drove the results, success, impact, 
and drove trust. And so we know when we, uh, oh, there's an issue with clarity. If we do something with that, we'll get more trust and that'll lead to this. There's an issue with uh, people aren't feeling cared about. Okay, we increase care. These all have, they also have counterforces, by the way, and we don't need to get into the academics of it, but you can quickly see if I go into a company and I see a counterforce of, let's say, connection, siloing, I know I've got a connection issue. I, I can go into uh, a company and if I see a lot of ambiguity, that's a counterforce of clarity. So is overcomplexity. If I overcomplexify, there's a counterforce. And if I can deal with that, I can lead to more clarity, which leads to more trust. Um, you know, it's interesting and fun for me because these eight work globally. And, the, and while we might have to contextualize certain things two levels down in how we apply it, all eight pillars work globally. It doesn't matter if I'm doing work in Kenya, Malaysia, or, uh, you know, in different contexts of the U.S., but how we apply them might be slightly different. That, that, that opens up a really interesting question about uh, culture and international, global kind of issues. I mean, are people universally, uh, you know, in sync with these eight pillars and with the concept of trust? Is this something that cuts across all cultures and borders? I mean, what's your experience? So my experience is trust is the key driver, even to how they would define success, as long as impact is a part of it or income is a part of it, that affects everywhere. The eight pillars work everywhere. One level down in the pillars, how we apply that pillar actually works everywhere. But the next level down, we might have to contextualize. I'll give you Two examples of how this works. One is compassion, we know, is one of the pillars of trust. Around the world, people tend to trust people, those that feel care about them. Doesn't matter who you are, if you feel cared about, that's one of the pillars, no matter where you are. One of the ways we show compassion in the workplace is listening. Okay, that's a level down from compassion. It turns out everywhere in the world, People that feel listened to feel compassion, which leads to trust. One more level down in America, as an example, in the U.S., the most trusted way to feel listened to generally is looking someone in the eye. In certain parts of the Middle East, the most um, trusted way to feel listened to might be not looking the person in the eye. So how I apply that wow. two levels down, I might need to contextualize. One other way we must contextualize, eight pillars, they're all critical, but we have different cultures have different biases toward most important first or a little more important. So as an example, in America, the contribution pillar, getting results is really important generally, especially in the business world or marketplace. In certain parts of Latin America or where I'm working in East Africa, the connection pillar, this pillar of we need to build community first is really critical. So I need, might need to start with or amplify the connection pillar there, even though, by the way, they do want results in Kenya. They do want results in Latin America. And people are going, no, they just want community. No, they want this contribution pillar too everywhere. But they might want to start and really you might need to amplify. You know, I think I have it right here, our, our, our partly Swahili uh, trusted uh, um, executive experience for Kenya. And we've, we've, we've amplified the connection pillar, which is critical, more critical there. So those, those are two ways you might, but, but still trust and the eight pillars, I do believe, 
are global. Um, and, and you can see how they're applied in simple ways and massive ways. I mean, an example here would be, let's, I, I keep going back to clarity because it's so easy to understand in a podcast where some of them you, you might need to dig into a little more. But clarity, you can do something about it and see results in two weeks in an organization. That's the fun of that one compared to character or something that might take more work. But an example of global clarity would be um, and how you need to amplify these depending on part of you know, your situation is in America 50 years ago, we knew what a hamburger was. So if you went to a hamburger joint, it would just say hamburger, 50 cents. At that time, you didn't know what Chinese food looked like so much in, it, broadly in America. So there was always pictures in the menu. Now you'll go to a Chinese <laughs> restaurant. That's clarity. Yeah. Now you go to a Chinese restaurant and they'll just have the words in many of them because we know Chinese food, but we still broadly don't know Ethiopian food. So you go to an Ethiopian restaurant today, you'll have pictures. That's adding clarity that transfer, you have to, so when you're working across cultures, you also have to amplify the pillars or magnify them often to gain the trust you want, where here you might need this much of that pillar. You might, to, to go across the culture, you might need this much. Uh, this is, this is, much, much uh, more interesting than I expected. This is, I find this very fascinating. So thank you for sharing that. One thing that keeps bothering me uh, is there are groups that use these uh, pillars and they have a terrible outcome. Yeah. Terrorist groups, the, these villainous groups, Nazi groups, these terrible people uh, that have done all of the things that you're saying and they've gotten the exact backwards outcome uh, because they manipulated this material. How, how does that happen? Yeah. How does that work? Just comment on that. I'll make a quick comment. Two things. One, um, you know, you can leverage this. I commonly say this because I talk a lot about being trusted. People say to me, is it better to be trusted or trustworthy? Well, the truth is the most deceptive person is the one who appears trusted, manipulates these pillars to look trusted without actually being worthy of trust. I would rather have someone trustworthy than just trusted because you can manipulate the pillars. So that's, that's number one. Um, but people in business, they get it, like get trusted so that I can drive this result. But what I'm really going for, actually, for is actually trustworthiness because that means you've really authentically built these pillars and are trusted for them. To the terrorist point, you can use parts or all of these pillars and gain, gain a whole lot. And, and the, the, what they don't have is the character pillar in the way I define it. And, and so, um, so that it definitions matter. Be, so they have used all the other pillars to gain a standing and gain a whole lot of trust, but they don't have the character pillar. And that is, you know, in the way I define it. And that hurts everybody. Or, or, or is it that the, the followers uh, like the character that they have? I, I mean, I don't know, but, but somehow yeah. we end up with a bad result. Well, there's one outlier here too, and that is entertainment. So people will say, this gets to the character bill. They say, well, look at that person. They're so trusted, but they're idiots or they're, they're, a, they're a movie star. They're a this, they're a that. And my argument to that is, no, they're trusted for who they are, but don't trust them to give you character advice, money advice, whatever it is, because they're not trusted for that. They're trusted for being an entertainer. And so, you know, this is the problem is when we trust people for what they aren't, 
That's our you know, issue. I think I think what happens in our society, and this is because a lot of money moves in our society, we transfer the trust from over here to over there. That's what sponsorship is. That's what spokespeople do. That's what advertising is about. So uh, you're a movie star. You're very famous. Uh, you haven't really accomplished that much. You haven't written any papers. You haven't said anything that's very smart. But you're you're just totally likable. You're really great at your job. You're an artistic person. Whatever it is that you do that makes you great at being an actor type person. But that doesn't mean that you know anything about cars or or any of the other things that you might uh, represent, right? So um, we, I, I think our society manipulates, uh, you know, that in, in that way. You see it the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And so, but that's on us. That's not necessarily the entertainer's fault that they're getting a sponsorship for it. No, no, that's no. just on our wisdom that you got to have brains to say, okay, because they can dunk a basket doesn't mean we should get financial advice from them or parenting advice from that movie star or whatever when they're, they're, they're losing their family and they're losing their kids and whatever. So we got to, this is a problem where people don't think anymore. And this is my wise brother's advice, by the way, who's a brilliant guy and a CEO of a couple companies and economist. He often says, we're in America, we're more critical than we've ever been without the ability to critically think. Yeah. Well, you know, part of the problem is that we have so many different things to think about that we can't be critical about all of them. I mean, there's just so much stimuli that flying around all the time I think his insight is is very smart. I think that your insights have been just uh, incredible. And I really appreciate you coming on the show and delivering the inside track on how to, uh, you know, create trust, be trustworthy, because I think that distinction is important too, uh, you know, and all the way around. So uh, this has been really cool. And any final comment you want to share? Joel, I appreciate you, and uh, it's been fun to grow our friendship, and uh, that's that's certainly based in trust. I guess I would say uh, cu- a couple things. Number one, little things done consistently make the biggest difference. You're really trusted for what you do consistently. And then I'll leave with two things from the farm, because I'm a farm kid at heart. I grew up on the farm, and we would say two things. One, we would say healthy things grow and sick things die, and that goes for cows, corn, Churches, healthy ones grow, sick ones become divided. Marriages, healthy ones grow, sick ones become divorced. And that's the same with companies. Healthy ones tend to grow, not always in numbers, in way, but it's health, it's growing in some way. That's why you've got to input these trust principles in because you got to cultivate, you got to put the right fertilizer in, you got to put the right input in if you're expecting this high performing organization built in trust. And number two, on the farm, we would say you got to do the work. And a lot of people want to have the quick motivational, hey, this, hey, that. I don't buy it. That pile on the farm didn't shovel itself. Those hay bales don't bale themselves. <laughs> and that corn doesn't cultivate itself. The problem with trust is people want to look it but not actually be it. And it because it takes work. But if you do the work, you gain a great advantage. This advantage we've come to call the trust edge because everything of value from financial institutions to every good relationship you have is built on one thing, trust. So for you and I every day, and I still need to do it because I am not perfect at any of the stuff I teach. We got to do the work. So you guys from the Midwest have such a great way of thinking about some of this stuff. I really, really appreciate it. Listen, David, I appreciate our friendship. I appreciate you coming on our show and uh, sharing the inside track and helping our people to profit from the inside. So thanks very much for being with us. Thank you. Appreciate it, Joel. We'll put your contact information, everything in the show notes. Thanks. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. 
For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. Shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. The inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joel Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. Produced by Adavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.